You are tuned into the Conquering Everest podcast. This here is episode 21. right this is the concrete Never's podcast my name is brian talore and let me just take a moment to say thank you thank you for listening thank you for spending a bit of your day here with me not only do i appreciate it but my guests appreciate it as well if this is your first time tuning in well welcome to the show glad to have you i sure hope that all of you first time return listeners whatever the case may be Give this podcast a follow on whatever platform you're listening on. Give us a follow. If there's an option to give it a rating, a thumbs up or a thumbs down, I hope no thumbs down. Give it a rating. Let everybody know what you think about the show. And then most importantly, this is the most important part. Okay, are you listening? This is very, very important. I need you to give this podcast a share on social media. I would certainly appreciate it. My guests are going to appreciate it. And you know what? I bet you your family and friends, they're going to appreciate it too. So give us a like, give us a follow, give us a share. And hey, what can I say? If I could reach out and give you a big hug, I would and say thank you once again. But let's get down to business, shall we? On today's episode, I have a conversation with Natalie Speakman. Natalie is a life transformation coach. She's also a world traveler. Well, I say world traveler. I've been in the United States most of my entire life. Natalie's been to Bali. She's been to Thailand. And man, I'm jealous. I am jealous. I would love to travel and see some exotic, I guess what I consider to be exotic countries. But you know what? That's okay. I've got Natalie on the show. She's going to talk about transforming her life what what happened in her life that caused the transformation and then ultimately where she is going from here so make sure you get comfy right get yourself comfy grab a little blanket maybe little little cup of decaf coffee or maybe if it's the morning caffeinated whatever whatever your pleasure and uh well check out this conversation with natalie speakman Natalie Speakman, welcome to the Conquering Everest podcast. How are you? I'm great, Brian. How are you? I'm good. So you are, are you still in Thailand? Is that where you're at now? Yeah, I live um, on the biggest island in Thailand. I've been here for over a year now. Basically got in right before the pandemic shut everything down. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I remembered from our, our, pre, uh, our, our pre-interview uh, conversation. I, uh, it was Thailand. I couldn't remember if it, if it was Thailand or Bali. I had them both on the top of my mind for some reason. But I came from Bali. A, a lot. So, yeah, I came that's from why. Bali. Yeah. Well, I, I, I am definitely uh, envious because <laughs> I'm here in Illinois, United States, and I would love to be uh, Thailand or Bali or any of those places right now. But uh, I tell you what. Before we get into uh, the meat and potatoes of our conversation today, do you want to take a moment and just introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm Natalie. Um, I am an American. If you can't hear that from my accent, and um, I live in Thailand, as we've already said. I left the U.S. eight years ago this month as my expat bursary, as I call it or I left the U.S. eight years ago. Um, And uh, how I came, I guess, to be in contact with you is that up until January of this year, I was working at an American company online since 2008, so for 12 and a half years. And then in December 2020, I, I like to say they pulled the rug out from under me and told me if I don't move back to the U.S. that I don't have a job anymore. So, yeah, it was it was a big shock. And, um, you know, I left the U.S. eight years ago. So uh, I considered it for about 
five seconds, <laughs> maybe a little longer, but uh, yeah, there's just no way I'm going to do that for many, many reasons. But um, so my life has been for the past 12 and a half years, that's been the foundation of it, you know, getting this paycheck. And I mean, I had a wonderful job. It's a wonderful place and all of that. But um, yeah, it, it was how I saw my life living abroad as that I had to have this job to be able to have my life. So it was very scary for me to think about that ever ending. Um, and so, so here, here it's now happened. Um, I know we'll get into more about that, but uh, that's just kind of a brief snapshot about now. But the other part of, you know, who and what I am is, is that I was a teenage drug addict, basically. Um, and I mean, a young adult drug addict as well, but I got clean and sober 22 years ago at the age of 22, which makes me 44. So um, that, that is in itself, you know, it's a big part of my identity and who I am, the transformations that have occurred as a result of me being clean and sober. Um, you know, were huge and life-changing. I wouldn't be alive did I not do that at that time. Um, so, you know, in the past five years, I found Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, if you've heard of him. Mm -hmm. And um, yep. that was really kind of a pivotal point in my life. Uh, where, and I did a life transformational training in Southern California, this very intense process. And um, uh, as a result of that, I, I tapped back into myself as a writer. I got you know vision for my future, what I wanted to step into instead of just like existing, like what do I want to create? And um, I became a meditation teacher, started writing a book, um, started making a lot of shifts and, um, Anyway, I could go on and on, but maybe that gives you some things to go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, uh, I, I definitely want to unpack a little bit about that life transformation. But uh, before we, we get to that, you, you had mentioned teenage drug addiction. Uh, it sounded like you, from my notes and keep me honest here, you, you were able to beat the addiction temporarily at around age 18, but then you had a relapse and let's, can we talk a little bit about that addiction? Like what, what was life like before the addiction? Like what, what kind of, was there anything specific that led you to, um, to the addiction or was it just kind of, uh, you know, it just, it just happened. Right? How, how does that, how did that work for you? Yeah, well, I mean, everyone's different as to how they, it manifests if they're an alcoholic or an addict. And for me, I was the type that I took my first drink at 14 and knew and fell in love and, and took my first, you know, hit of pot uh, around that age and just was like, wow, I found my purpose. <laughs> so it was all about chasing that feeling. And, um, you know, I, I, I couldn't, at age 16, I was, I was really a daily pot smoker and, um, here's my cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, yeah, my life became centered around that. So whatever I needed to do, however I needed to do it to, to get and stay high as much as I possibly could every waking moment of every day. So when you're a teenager, it's a little hard because you've got to manage school and, you know, family and, and that. So it, it was, it was not easy for anyone involved. Did you, did you have any sort of depression or anxiety as a young teen or preteen that, um, cause I know when you talk about well, at least, you know, uh, my experience is, yeah, you, you, you try something, you kind of get that high. It takes you, at least for me, it takes, uh, and mine wasn't drug or alcohol, but my addictions took me away from reality for a little bit of time. And so that's what I was always chasing was, for some reason, I guess, in my mind, I thought, well, eventually this is going to stick and it's going to last and I'm going to feel great forever. Uh, but no, every, every time I turned back towards 
you know, that, that was bringing me down. I mean, that's exactly what it did was bring me down. What were you, uh, did you have a, a good family life, uh, good parents, siblings and, and, or was it, was it stress, stressful, dysfunctional or anything, any way like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, every, my parents did the best they could and I had, I had a good childhood. My needs were met, you know, of course there was dysfunction. Um, I, I was pretty, I was a pretty happy kid aside from just stress about my parents fighting and things. Um, but the moment where, what I remember where things changed is I was 14 and I don't know if it was hormonal or what, but I just went into depression and I dropped, dropped all my friends. I started wearing black. I started listening to U2 and having this monster crush on the edge, the guitarist. I was obsessed with him. I watched rattle and hum like 500 times. (laughs) Like, so it was definitely you know, not, not healthy. So then it would make sense. And immediately when I picked up a drink, Ooh, wow, I feel different. So that was kind of leading up to that. So my parents didn't know what to do with me because I just, you know, my grades dropped. I got uh, expelled from high school, suspended numerous times. So they sent me to a 30 day rehab at 17, um, my senior year of high school. And I just was like, cool, vacation from life, vacation from existence, this uh, place. But I didn't want to stop. So I even tried to like smuggle drugs inside or just do things to get high in there. Just didn't take it seriously. And then when I got out, my parents said, if you, you know, we're going to drug test you every week. You're going to be in therapy. If you mess up one time, you're going to be gone for a long time. So I was, I was only out for about three weeks before I messed up big time again. And they sent me away to a long-term facility 900 miles away from my home where I spent the remainder of my senior year in high school. And I was in there for 11 months. So I was um, in this, this very uh, intense uh, Christian 12-step militant type uh long-term rehab yeah and i would think things like you know just listening to your description of it and even how your parents when when you came home they're like hey you mess up one time you're gone it seems like that would just create a lot of stress in itself that now you've got to you know you're, you're faced with this well either i stay straight or i'm i'm out and that would almost seem like it would be enough stress to push you towards that, that wanting to escape again. It's, it's, uh, I, I often, well, you know, I know our parents always try the best they can uh, and, and, you know, there's no uh, official instruction manual for raising kids, but I think sometimes we can, you know, as parents or our parents, or even as parents nowadays, we can tend to put a little too much undue pressure, not remembering that these, you know, these are teenagers that, that we're working with. Mm-hmm. So when you, when we talk about the, um, before the relapse at, at 18 was that after so you went to the, the to the um, rehab and then you were out and, and so you were okay for a few weeks but then it it hit again um what so because for me to look at you now or look at in your pictures i would have never if, if we never had this conversation i i wouldn't have guessed i would have no idea can you talk a little bit about the tr- transition of when you were when you're addicted when you're addicted to something does your life completely center around and i guess i'm speaking more for drugs and alcohol does it completely center around chasing that high were you functioning okay or you know how was that that the 18 to you know 20s what was life like for you yeah so um you know, I was in the 30 day one, you know, didn't have much success after then put in the long-term one was there 11 months, got out and I went to 12 step recovery meetings and got immersed in that. I stayed clean and sober about six months. And then I made the very conscious choice to pick up again for varying reasons. And, um, you know, from, from 19 to 22, 
my life was super unmanageable. I was barely functioning. You know, there, there's people that can function as addicts and alcoholics. I was not one. I mean, that, hence you already hear that from everything I've said, but there are the people that, you know, you would never guess, but I was not one of those. What, uh, what age did you finally make the, the transition uh, it, or make the decision, hey, I'm done with this. Like I, I've got to, I've got to create a, a new healthy life. How, where were you at in, at, uh, where were you at in your life when you made that decision? Well, it's, it's interesting the way you word it um, because that's not how, how my mindset was no. at all. I mean, okay, yeah, coming from the addiction mindset, some people may have that experience. I did not what was happening is consequences piled up so high and heavy on me. They forced me into a place of, I hit a bottom. You know, you hear about that people hitting a bottom. So for me, it was a combination, you know, I mean, how far deep in the story do you want to go? I won't you know, go into all of it, but the, the simple explanation is that um, I had, I had run away from I was of age, but it still was a runaway. I was 22. I had been living with my boyfriend at the time for two and a half years in Florida. I, um, I just, you know, there was some personal things happening aside from just being a, an unmanageable addict. I decided I didn't want to live anymore. And, but yet I could not think, okay, I'm going to go take a bottle of pills. I, it wasn't like that. So I decided I'm going to just run away and die somehow. So I'm, I planned for six months in advance this, this scheme. And I saved up a thousand dollars, you know, in secret. And I ran away to Southern California. Cause that was like, how far away from Florida can you get? And I just picked a spot on a map. Right. So, so that all happened. I was gone for a couple months. I was missing. My parents put up flyers to try and find me. They hired a private investigator. I was on missing lists all over the country. Eventually, I got arrested and, and came back home and lived with my mother. And I got a job at a pharmacy because it was near the house and they were hiring. Well, me being an addict, that was a wonderful idea. So, um, and, and you can guess what happened. I mean, I was just like a kid in a candy store there and coming off of this runaway situation. I mean, I was just, I thought I wanted to die before. Well, it, it was even worse. The self-loathing, the regret, the shame, the guilt, the hurting people that I just couldn't live with myself. So I, I had to just use more and more. So one day, I mean, then I wanted to do a geographical cure and leave my hometown again. And uh, at this pharmacy one day, there was a bottle of pills just sitting there. I saw an opportunity. I stole the whole entire bottle as a way. For, and I thought, I'm going to sell these and get out of this town. Well, long story short, I got arrested. I got arrested for stealing these pills. I had federal drug charges. I was looking at 30 years in federal prison. And um, so it, it wasn't that I woke up inside of this and said, I'm going to change my life. It was just consequence piling on top of me. And then I was in jail. My public defender said, you've got to go to, you know, recovery meetings. If you've got to be, you've got to stay on the, on the straight and narrow, or you're going to go to federal prison for th up to 30 years. So I started going back to meetings and I didn't plan it. Um, it just happened February 1st, 1999. I went into a meeting and I just, um, at the end of the meetings, they offer like a white chip. So it, where I'm from, so you have to walk to the front of the room if you want to try and stop. And I didn't plan it, but they offered it. And I just was, I just walked up there. I'm like, Oh, what am I doing? And so that was the first day of, of my sobriety. Let me, let me ask you, um, are you, uh, and I, this could be a, a touchy subject but you know so feel free to answer however you want or tell me to to, to <laughs> shut up but uh, as far as spirituality are you a spiritual person do you do you believe in god or or a higher power what 
what's what's your belief or what's your belief system? And I guess what I'm asking is, um, when when you you started those steps to sobriety, did you did you find a shift in in that? Uh, that's a great question, and actually, from the view of the twelve step program, it is a spiritual program. You can't you cannot <laughs> ha- you can't separate it. You know, so so it's not a, it's it is the program. It is it, so so yeah. That's not an inappropriate question at all. Um, I mean, growing up, I was a Christian. I had always had a faith and belief in that, and even up till what I just told you, like getting getting clean and sober at that time. So it was good because a lot of people come in and they they hate God or they have no belief or they don't know. I was very grounded in a belief, um, so that was made it a little bit easier for me at that time. Um, and it's, it's evolved over the years, but yeah. Would you, do you think that your spiritual life has, has grown, uh, grown more since you became, or you, you know, you, you became sober or took steps to become sober? I mean, is it a more intense relationship with, with, uh, with God or. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's a lifelong journey. There's always been a belief. Now I did have an experience at 24 years old, kind of like this spiritual experience where I lost my Christian beliefs, like in, in the conversation, it was very interesting looking back. Um, but that's just, that's just what happened. And it, it was very difficult for a few years because I had always just felt grounded in that belief system and then it was gone and I felt very ungrounded and just had to find my own way. But that's been 15 years ago now. And so, yeah, I mean, it's constantly evolving. Um, but you know, leading up to present day, I, my relationship with, with the 12 step program and process and, and has been very fluctuating. I haven't done it perfectly. I've been lazy. I've whatever procrastinated, not wanted, not had the willingness to do what I needed to do. Um, but really the, the basis is, is that I need some kind of power greater than myself to give me power so that I don't use alcohol and drugs. It doesn't mean that I'm constantly thinking every day for 20 years, like about that, but left to my own devices. I'm just, if I'm not using and I'm not drinking, but I don't have a connection with a higher power. It I just, it's, it's not a very happy existence. It's a managing existence. Yeah. That's, that's interesting because I've, um, as I've gone through my own challenges and even as, I've worked with others, um, either, you know, mentoring or, uh, or having conversations. I, I feel like that's a common theme. And that's why I like to ask that is, 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 is usually there's a belief system in place. And then we wrestle with that belief system for a while. And, and like you said, you kind of, you, you stopped having that relationship and, and I know that's happened to me. And there's been lots of people I've talked to where there's a period of time where you just kind of say, okay, it's there, but it's not, it's not working for me. I'm just, you know, I'm not going to, uh, you try to not acknowledge it, but eventually it, it always seems that you come back to it. And it, 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 I, I'd probably write a book on everybody's like that. I went away and then I came back that prodigal, prodigal son. <laughs> I don't know if I said that right, but you know, the turn my back and then I came mm-hmm. back. Um, I just, I find that fascinating, uh, with, with, uh, with everybody I've, I've talked to. And so when, when did you start traveling abroad? What year? Like eight traveling? years ago this month. Yeah. Okay. So, in, so you said in, in February 1st of 99, that was when you, you started attending the, the 12 step recovery program again. Yes. And then, so mm-hmm. it, again, so eight years ago, that was yeah, two thousand. So you you in states a few years while you're doing that, and then what 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 was your motivating factor to to leave the U.S. and was it just a a, a love for travel or a love of a man? It, <laughs> okay, uh, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> so you had to yeah. follow the man. Yeah. So did you go ahead? Were you married? Yeah. Well, so yeah, that's. 
yes, I was married and I left my husband for love of another man is, is the specifics okay. of that. So, um, and, you know, talking about everything in the framework of addiction and me saying that, you know, I've been kind of not really what we call working the program so well. I mean, yeah, I was abstinent, but addiction, com- it's, it's, it's a way of thinking. It's, it, it's a way of operating in the world. So, yeah, I wasn't using those substances that will kill me very quickly, but then I very quickly adapted to other behavioral addictions So basically using men as drugs, almost looking like being addicted to relationships, to love, to the validation, to then I quit smoking cigarettes in 2001. And, oh, wow, I didn't even know I had, you know, an overeating uh, problem, sugar addiction. So and what I'm learning now is about trauma. And how if somebody has unhealed trauma, that these numbing coping mechanisms can be as a result of unhealed trauma. So I'm bringing that piece into my work now. Um, And I am a transformational coach, which I didn't think I mentioned in that first minute. But after I quit my job, that's what I'm doing now. But anyway, so, Yeah. yeah, just looking at things through the lens of trauma and addiction you know, it gives a broader understanding of, you know, why, why I maybe did the things I did. So, um, but saying all that to say, I was not in a good space. I started an affair. I wasn't really doing anything for my recovery really at all. And, um, this, you know, I mean, I could go into a long story, but I won't. So, but anyway, I had an affair decided to leave my husband. The guy I was seeing had moved to South Korea to teach English. And, um, I followed him eight years ago. So, yeah. Well, and, and, so, and you've opened that Pandora's <laughs> box. So I, I will say that uh, relationships were my addiction as well. Uh, I, you know, I, I think uh, trauma, childhood trauma that had played a, a factor in not feeling good enough, uh, for me. And so I, I wasn't chasing the high of drugs or alcohol, but I was chasing the high of new, the newness of a relationship. Oh, yeah. Because when you, when you first get into a relationship, it's, it, there's nothing like a new relationship, but then as things settle in and people, uh, the quote unquote honeymoon phase dies down. Um, then I found myself going, okay, well, I don't feel like a man anymore. I don't feel pumped up. So maybe it's time to go look for somebody else and get that newness again. So yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating because there's just so many uh, similarities as, as in in all of us that have dealt with depression or addiction. Um, So uh, I thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that because that, that, now that now touches into my story and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not, and I knew, I know I'm not the only one, but you know, it's always kind of nice to know you're not alone in the boat. Totally. So let's, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, the, your life, uh, the life transformation for you with Dr. Joe. Uh, what was, what prompted you or what, what attracted you to his teachings and um, what was, what was that intense? You said you spent an intense week. What was that like for you? Yeah. So, well, as you can imagine, or maybe you can guess the, um, the relationship I ran away to didn't work out because in the program we say, you know, we have, we have a geographical cure. And I've had many geographical cures and they've all been usually related to a man, a man I was moving, like even being in Florida 20 years ago, like that was my first geographic. <laughs> um, so I, I crashed and burned some more, had to have some more pain and it all culminated, <clears throat> excuse me, in an accident. I was living in Bali uh, five and a half years ago. Long story short, I got bitten by a dog on my face. I had to have emergency plastic surgery. I was in the hospital five times in two months uh, due to complications and just, you know, my mental state. 
And basically I wasn't diagnosed, but I say that I had a nervous breakdown because that's what it felt like. So I ended up moving back to the U S just in breakdown and, um, through a very, you know, synchronous, uh, conversation, my friend in Southern California said, Hey, why don't you come do these life transformational trainings? So they were in the style of landmark or life spring, if anybody's heard of those. So it's very intensive, uh, experiential life transformational trainings. So I, I bit the, I'm like, okay, because I just didn't know what else to do. And I did. So there was like two five day trainings and then a three month, like longer group coaching program. So I did that. And in that, I found a woman who was like, Hey, have you heard of Joe Dispenza? So, so this all kind of happened, happened together. And that's how I found, found Dr. Joe, but it was as a result of this, like, to me, like this horrible traumatic experience uh, that had to happen for me to find the transformation on the other side. Uh, so after, so you, the life transformation, um, then you started working and, and, and what was, do you mind sharing what you did uh, for those 12 years that, that you were employed here through the U.S.? Well, actually, I mean, that was in 2008. This life transformational stuff was only five years ago, but um, oh, yeah, okay. just while I was married. So I was a colon hydrotherapist. Um, I did colonics <clears throat> maybe 20 years ago. Then I got married, moved away, and uh, moved to this smaller town and um, just needed a job job, which I didn't really want, but, you know, it just happened that way. So I was working for an alcohol and drug counseling center doing administration, billing, things like that. Um, and over the years, just, you know, grew with the company. And then eight years ago, um, became fully, fully remote. So, so that job is, you know, everything for the past eight years, I've had that job up until January 29th of this year was my last day. So, so that's kind of how that's played a role. And you talked about after, after that job, uh, after you determined that you, you weren't going to continue your career with them, uh, you hinted to the fact that you um, decided to get into coaching. Do you want to talk a little bit about your coaching practice? It, it sounds like it's still fairly new, but, um, you want to talk a little bit about mm -hmm. about that, that 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 coaching side of your life? Yeah, well, I mean, it all ties together, which is the beautiful thing. Because so, I mean, I kind of have told you about my recovery program. Just kind of, I mean, I basically did the bare minimum to get by, um, and I I'd get into pain, or I would get it, you know, out of a relationship, or something would happen, and then I would go back to meetings. I would want to work the steps again or get a new sponsor, you know, then, then I would coast again once I felt better. So it was this, you know, kind of up and down process. So, but the, as the years went on, there would be more periods of like doing nothing <laughs> or doing, you know, not good things. It, things were just getting worse and worse. So um, almost two years ago in Bali, Again, it was another big synchronicity, but um, I, I met a man who asked me if I want to do a big book study. So there's a book. The book is named Alcoholics Anonymous is the name of the book. The, the, the meetings and everything came from the name of the book. So that book is the foundation of, of everything. So it's very common practice for people to um, study the book and things like that. And then the steps, the 12 steps are in that book. So you study the book, you do the steps as you go through that process. That's one way to do it. There's many ways. So he asked me if I wanted to study this book and I'm like, hell no. Like that just sounded like the most boring idea ever. <laughs> I'm like, I know this book. I've been around it my whole life. And he was like, no, this will change your life. And he was like, oh my God, it changed my, and I'm like, how did this thing that I've known about forever change your life? Like what's different? So his enthusiasm sold me and we had our first meeting in this book study. And this, the very first meeting changed my life because he explained the program and the disease of addiction in a way I had never before experienced. And it, 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 it 
gave me the answer as to why my way had been working from for all these years. And it was because I had taken the service part of the program, the helping others part of the program. Like I just left that out pretty much because I just didn't want to do it because it's a lot of work. If you've heard the word sponsor, like doing all that. And I felt like I wasn't good and stuff. So I just didn't do it. Well, when he explained it, it, it I'm like, this is why I've had mediocre results. Cause I didn't do the program. So about fast forward to about a year ago, pandemic happened. I had already been working in this book. I'd already been helping others a little bit in the book, but now everybody has free time. Everybody's on lockdown. Everybody's on Zoom. I had shared my recovery story in a meeting and gotten just some feedback from some people. And I just got this idea. Why don't I ask these people to, to do this study with them? And so I just started asking and started getting all of these people that I was now taking through the book myself. And, and suddenly I had like 10 people and, and I just started being on fire for this, for carrying this message. And I started shifting and changing and, and I, I just helping others. I mean, it's such a fundamental principle of like human existence. That's like, all of the people that inspire everyone in the world, you know, the Gandhis, the Mother Teresa's, it's, it's all about service, you know, even religions. So, and I've found that to be true. So I just started dedicating my life in this type of service to others, which is, it's not coaching, but there's elements that, you know, are similar, working one-on-one, -on -one, helping others. And there's no, of course, there's no money involved with that because it's recovery. But <clears throat> last summer, sometimes I, I just started getting this idea, like, this is my life's purpose. This is what I'm meant to do. My life started changing. I stopped overeating. I stopped my the sugar. I got out of a toxic relationship. And, and my sponsor told me like, these things will just fall away on their own. When you just start helping as many people as you possibly can through this process. And, and I just can't even tell you the transformation that's occurred as a result of all of this. And so somewhere last fall, this idea about like coaching came in. And in December, I, I had a call with a coach and she was like, go coach two people. And I did. And it was amazing. I'm like, okay, this is it. So I, that's kind of where it all started. So that happened. And then my job told me like two weeks later that, you know, you got to either move back or your job's gone. So it, it was a very, uh, I couldn't have planned it, you know, <laughs> planned it better. Hence, hence the, I hear that and I go, you know, there's the, the spiritual, there's the God part of it where, it's just if when you take a step back and you look at things big picture, you can kind of see these interweavings of like they weren't of your doing, they weren't you know or my doing. It's some, it's just you can't call it coincidental in my mind, and that's that's just me talking. But I agree. Um, so it's just the way pieces fall in together. Uh, so the 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 key to life. Um, and 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 I and I believe this because I hear the same message uh, over and over, and and it's something that I teach others is once you decide to stop focusing on yourself and your problems, and you start focusing on others and how you can be of service to others, a lot of life transformations have happened just from that switch in thinking going, okay, I'm going to stop lamenting over my problems and I'm going to, and something I, I always say is, um, cause I, for a long time I asked, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And what I finally discovered, you know, at least, um, for me, it's talent plus struggles equals purpose. So every, we all have talents, whether it's, you know, speaking or writing or, or what coaching, whatever the case may be. And when you put that in with your, your um your struggles in life you can help others in a way that that just is so much more re rewarding natalie we're back we had a little bit of technical difficulty there and, and and we had to postpone the second part of this interview uh so welcome back natalie thank you <laughs> when we had left off the last time 
uh, we had talked, uh, we were talking a little bit how, how, about how you got into coaching and, and you've made uh, mention that you were told by your coach to go coach two people. And, and that's what really kind of got the ball rolling. So can we kind of pick up from there where you're at? Because uh, we, we know that you, that your, your nine to five job, they, they, you you ended up parting ways with them uh mm -hmm. so how how are how's everything nowadays yeah well i mean it's all been a whirlwind that's happened so you know i met this woman from a facebook post in a group randomly um had this session with her and she, you know I'm, I'm telling her i'm thinking about going into coaching um but i don't have training and uh, wondering, feeling like there's some big hurdle for me to just, you know, step into that world, telling her I'm not satisfied, you know, with my job. Um, and so, yeah, she, she gives me this call to action, go coach two people. And it was an amazing experience. And I remember leaving that first session and just feeling this certainty in my bones that like this, this is what, I'm meant to do. And then really within 10 days, maybe even 10 days or a week, my nine to five job gave me the news. If you don't um, move back to the U.S. Uh, in close distance to the office, then you will not have a job. And this has to happen by February 1st. So it was like a six week notice. Um, and so, so like the coaching happened and then this happened and, um, yeah, it really just was mind blowing. And so, um, I, I knew immediately in my heart, like there was no way I would ever <laughs> do that. I left the U S eight years ago. Right. Yeah, just, yeah, I wouldn't do that. But I did consider, like, I didn't say anything right away. I said I needed time to think. And just the the brevity of the news, like the weight of that news was, I mean, it was a lot to digest. Um, yeah. And let's, let's talk, uh, let's dig into that a little bit, because I'm curious. So you knew kind of already in, in your, in, in your, in your heart that you, you weren't going to come back to the u.s but i would imagine there's that there's still that looming uncertainty of like if i don't do you know if i don't do this um you know is my co is coaching going to be successful what was what was it like facing that uncertainty because a, a fear of uncertainty messes with a lot of us yeah, well, I mean, I had stayed in the job out of fear of financial insecurity. Um, and, you know, I mean, it was a good job. It was a paycheck. It was safe, but there really wasn't much upward movement. But there was many benefits, you know, working remotely, living wherever I choose and all of that. So I was always very grateful for it. But at the same time, I mean, the longer, like about five years ago is whenever I started offering, uh, you know, meditation and um, writing a book and, and doing things outside of work to step into my true purpose. But my, at that time, I didn't have the discipline or the commitment to, to put that effort in like my, my job, just, I gave it all my energy. So it was my priority because it paid the bills and it was a paycheck. So it was actually my biggest fear was to lose that job. So here it is coming true. Um, and there was just so many emotions with that. But again, it just, it, I just was like, I can't do what, you know, society expects me to do or you know looking at the situation from the outside what some family or friends might say it's like oh well you know it's covid times you need to stay in your job it's a safe job it's a stable job like it's a paycheck you know you would be crazy to leave it right now with the way the world and the economy is but none of that mattered i just knew that if i were to move back i would just like, I feel like my soul would just die in a way. It just felt like that's how it felt whenever I thought about it. So just so all of these fears were swirling around. But at the same time, there was this foundation of like faith and certainty, like just know, 
I cannot sell myself out for right. money and security. Yeah. And I think that, you know, being content, which is a good thing, but it could also lull you into that false sense of security. You know, if you're working that nine to five that you really, your heart's really not in that, you're, you know, you know what you want to do. Like you said, you, you, you were wanting to write a book and, you know, get th- everything going from a, an entrepreneurial standpoint. Um, so in, in one way, I guess, you know, lucky <laughs> that the company yeah. decided to challenge you like that. But um, So I decided to not do it. I decided to take the leap into the unknown. I decided to let go of a paycheck that had come, you know, twice a month since 2008. I mean, that's a long time. You know, every memory I have of the past eight years every country I've visited, you know, everything I have been working at this job. Yes, I've been working in beautiful locations, but that job, it's been like the foundation of my life. So it was just a huge uh, shift. And, and it, you know, it's like God, the universe, higher power, whatever you want to call it, knew, ah, oh my God, my cat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, knew that, uh, that like I wasn't going to leave it on my own. So right. it, I had to be total like forced out, like forced to either make a choice, a very black and white choice. So I chose to take the leap. I got no severance pay after 12 and a half years. I, and there, and likely I'm not sure about unemployment. It's been three months, almost three months since my last day at my job. Um, so I haven't even actually applied for unemployment. I tried to, but then I just, it felt so like not the thing for me to put my energy into. I didn't even do it. I don't even know if I would be approved with my situation, but, but basically it's just like letting go of all financial security to just totally trust in the unknown. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so I have my nine to five and I, and I enjoy the work, but, but I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Uh, I mean, you know, when I was a, a kid, you know, I was the, I was the kid putting together the garage sales and whatnot, but um, mm. Been, been been with my you know my my company for 21 years and I'm I'm, I'm kind of it sounds like I'm at that same point you were where you feel being you're being pulled in one direction but at the same time you've got this 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 rock this anchor that, that you feel like is gonna hold you hold you down mm-hmm. Let, let's talk a little bit about what's what what you've got going on now and what may be coming up. Yeah. So, um, I mean, taking this plunge was just such a, an intense experience of excitement and fear. But so I decided to, um, hire the coach who had coached me in a free session to coach two people. And, you know, she said, you know, you, you have the experience, you can, you can just jump in and start doing it. So, Um, there was another choice point of like her fee was almost a month's pay. And I, I just was like, Oh my God, there's no way I'm about to lose this steady income that I can make this huge investment. And yet I knew within myself, like that this even choosing to invest in coaching for myself was like making a commitment to myself and trusting myself and trusting this process. So I, I did that and that was another breakthrough. And so in the month of January this year, I just started coaching as many people as I possibly could, um, you know, for either just for practice, uh, for donations, if somebody wanted to make a donation or give feedback, things like that. And at the same time, I started also charging. So um, that's how like that has evolved. And I made a big financial goal for this three months of coaching that I'm receiving from my coach, um, which I've got about two weeks left and I'm only short like $500. 
So I'm really, I mean, it's not about the money, but just to show the, the success that I've had, um, immediately out of the door is just, it's, it's blown my mind. Um, so I feel like, you know, this is the path that I'm meant to be on. I've, um, you know, I thought I might be coaching people about addiction recovery and things, but it's not even been about that. So I've been helping like one of my clients, um, has created like a $7,800 bonus at his job and like a $5,000 raise as a result of an action that he declared to take in a coaching session. Um, I have another client who she is starting her own business and she like created this job interview out of the blue, um, that she's really excited about another client who started like push through the fear of putting herself out there with her own business and making Facebook lives and, you know, making a YouTube channel and things like that. Another, um, I'm also coaching coaches because I'm a new coach. So it's, you know, it's one thing to be coached by somebody that's been doing it for 10 or 20 years. Like, yes, that's a good too. And also for somebody that's been coaching three months that have had success, I feel like it's a lot more relatable and accessible to new coaches. It's not intimidating. I'm just a few steps ahead. And, and it's like, well, if they do what I do, they can get, you know, the results that I've gotten. So, um, but it's, it's more about the service. It's more about I'm living my purpose that I'm here just to help others. Um, and I think we talked about that before. I can't <laughs> remember. Yeah. We, we have a little bit of yeah. you know, the listeners aren't going to realize it. Uh, Cause hopefully yeah. I do a good enough job editing, but yeah, for mm -hmm. full transparency, uh, we got disconnected and it's been a week. So we're, yeah, <laughs> right. forgive us if, if our memories aren't quite there. Uh, yeah, I was just going to, you know, comment to, to, to that and say, you know, it is amazing what happens when you have that courage to step through that, that, that darkness, that unknown. And mm -hmm. it, it just, I know for me and in, in when I've done that in my life in different areas, it's just so many different opportunities open mm. up opportunities that, you know, you, you may have not even ever imagined would be possible, yeah. I, I, you know, but so if, if people want to get a hold of you and, or were interested in, in, in talking to you about coaching or, or just following up to, to learn more about you, um, you've got a website, right? NatalieSpeakman.com. Natalie M is in Mary Speakman. Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I will make sure we have the link, uh, the correct link in the description. So Natalie M Speakman.com. And uh -huh. you have Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Um, you can just find me by Natalie Speakman, either my personal or professional page. Um, yeah. And I just, uh, you know, I want to connect with people. I even one conversation can change somebody's life. Like my first conversation with my coach, go coach two people. It changed my life. So don't underestimate the value of just having a conversation that could open up possibilities or give clarity insights, help somebody see blind spots. Um, I also am getting trained in trauma recovery. So that's another part of, the story that's amazing is so in mid January, you know, my last day at my old job was January 29th and um, mid January, I just, this friend of mine popped in my head and I just like, Oh, I'll see how he's doing. So just reached out and he was saying how busy he was. He owns a trauma recovery center and it's been super busy since COVID. And he said, would you like to join my clinical team? I'm just, thinking out loud here, but would love to have you on board. I'm so that just blew my mind. Like you're talking about the opportunities. I didn't look for that. It just landed in my lap. And so since then I've been being trained in trauma. Um, and I am going to be working as, um, what we're calling like uh, level three, part of this trauma recovery program. So people that have any kind of trauma, they come in, you know, first, the first phase is about stabilization. 
Um, and then they have trauma therapy, you know, with um, fully trained and, you know, counselors. And then it's like, once somebody has healing, it's about moving forward. Well, okay, now there's been healing that's occurred. Now what, where do we go from here? So that's where I come in as the transformational coach to help people move forward and set goals and step into whatever they want their future to be. So um, that is also happening, but the trauma learning about trauma has been so valuable and so that's something that I intend to really incorporate into what I do. And I'm already working with um, at least one person off the top of my head where we're, we're just studying deeply trauma, how it looks in the body. And then there's experiential exercises that I'm taking this client through um, that can help them heal, you know, totally from like a coach standpoint, um, as I am not a therapist, so. Right. Yeah, it, it is important to, to uh, separate the two. If, if, oh, yeah. Unless you, know, you, have, unless you have all the fancy uh, acronyms at the end of your name. But. Totally. So I, I, I think I kind of alluded to the fact earlier on, whether it was uh, probably, you know, when we, we first started connecting on Facebook, because um, my, my introduction to you was a story about a date you went on. And I was wondering if you'd like to share that. If not, that's fine. We can edit this part out. But if you'd oh, like to share that story, I, I it, it, it's a great one. So, Yeah, thanks for asking, Brian. So um, I'm in this Tony Robbins Facebook group that many, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are in, which is awesome. And um you know, earlier in my story, I probably mentioned the fact of like behavioral addictions. You know, yes, I was clean and sober, but also uh, we did. We talked about relationships earlier in the conversation. And that's just been, you know, probably my biggest area of uh, dysfunction, I guess you could say. Um, but I, I mean, I've been uh, so much better. I can't tell you in the past, you know nine months, six, nine months, year now. Um, so recently I've been often on Tinder, like most, most people that use Tinder go often on Tinder, right. I Tinder spiral. So the Tinder spiral is like, you put it on, you use it for a while, you get fed up with it, you delete it, you're off it for a while, and then you put it back on and like do it over and over again. So, um, in my last Tinder spiral, um, I, I met, matched with this very attractive younger guy. Um, and we decided to meet up and he, we met up once briefly. And then this was the second time we met, um, he is, and I didn't say his age in my post, um, but he was a lot younger. So he was like 18, 18 years younger. I'm 44. He was like, uh, 20, 25 or 26. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I get that. I know whatever, you know, but he, he gave me <laughs> these compliments <laughs> and right. one was, I bet you were pretty 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was probably the one that hurt the worst. Yeah. Because I'm like, what well, okay, so that means I'm not pretty now. I mean what 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 is that? Oh no, no, yeah, you're 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 fine now, but <laughs> uh. so then I showed him like, well, we'll show him a picture of me back then. So I had one on my Facebook. And then he's like, I'm like, well, what do you think? He's like, Well, you look the same except with your you have wrinkles now. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Which was, yeah. uh, well, there was no like follow up date after that, was there? No. <laughs> so oh, there was one other thing that just really hurt, and um, I mean, I could I could talk for another hour about 
everything within that, but, you know, to keep it very simple and short and to the point of what my Facebook post was about was like, I talked about those comments and, um, you know, the next day I just felt, I mean, an emotional hangover, just this, just this grief and sadness in my heart that, you know, I cared so much about his opinion, number one. Yeah. And I've always used my looks as currency in the world. And I've always used the way I look to, to gain favor, to, to gain value. And especially of course, in dating and sex. And now I'm 44. So I look different. So my currency is losing value. And so just kind of, I mean, I've known this, but to have this really visceral experience, um, you know, I sat in the feelings, I felt the depression, I felt the grief for a bit. And then, then I just had this moment where I was like, Natalie, like, I'm only going to keep getting older. Yes. There's things I can do, you know, to, to process, but I just thought I can't do this to myself anymore. I just can't. And so I, I talked to some friends about it. I came home that afternoon and I'm just like, I'm just going to write a post. I didn't even know what it was going to be, but I wrote, I just started writing. I wrote for an hour and then I'm like, you know, I'm going to post a selfie of what I look like right this minute without any filters, without any adjustments. You know, I'm not, I mean, my hair's short, but I'm not going to like fix my hair. I'm not going to put makeup on. So I just went outside and I'm like, nah, okay, the first selfie I take, no second takes, this is the one I'm going to use. I don't care what it looks like. And I took it. The one disclosure is I did move around to see where the light would hit best on my face. So that would be the only tweak (laughs) that I did was like looking for, you know, good light. But I mean, I did that for like 10 seconds. So I wasn't you know, obsessed by it, but I took the first selfie and I'm like, okay. And then I didn't want to smile either because then I'm like, well, then I'm trying to like get people to like me or I'm, you know, something I'm trying to look nicer by smiling. So I just took this selfie, no smile, just my face. And then I did take a second one smiling. I'm like, well, maybe I want to, but then I decided, no, I'm not just put the one up there. No smile, just me. I'm sweaty. I live in Thailand, whatever. <laughs> like, right. and, and I just, it made a declaration in the post of like, I'm, I'm not going to let, you know, this person. And it wasn't even about him. It was all about me. It wasn't about what he said. It was about right. my reaction and me looking for validation. And I just kind of made a declaration that I'm not going to do this anymore to myself and um and then i invited the you know the people that would read the posts like post your own selfie and i called it the um like uh authentic not airbrushed right so because everything's freaking fake on the internet and so we need to take a stand for that And, and especially as women aging women you know single aging women like yeah, there's so much value that we lose opposed to a single aging man. Oh, they look rugged. They look better with age. So, I mean, again, I don't, I could go on and on about that, but anyway, the post was that. And I mean, I just was uh, overwhelmed with responses and it was just so touching to see people posting their selfies in the comments and, and like the breakthrough that has to happen to, to put yourself out there authentically, you know, men and women. So, so that's the post. Well, it sounds to me like we have, um, we have another episode to record <laughs> down, the, down the, down the, down, down the, down uh, the lane a little bit, because this is, uh, I think this is a really interesting topic and, and something that in talking about internet and self-esteem and in comparisons, mm-hmm. especially for the younger generation, it's, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, it, from, from my perspective, uh, you know, as a, as a parent, 
it's like, well, they're just trying to outdo each other and push that limit a little bit more each time. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. And then, you know, of course, you got the depression and anxiety on the increase and all that. But, hey, like we said, that sounds like a whole new episode that we're going to have to maybe. uh, Yeah, I love that. Time to record. Yeah, because I think that'd be a uh, be a good one. But. Well, Natalie, it's been fun having you on the podcast. I've enjoyed uh, talking to you and, and, and learning more about you. And uh, yeah, let's let's do this again. Thank you, Brian. Would love to. And there you have my conversation with Natalie Speakman. I just want to say thanks, Natalie, for being on the show, as well as showing me some grace and patience as we uh, ended up getting disconnected midway through the, the conversation. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be, be able to recover the audio or not. Luckily, I was. And then uh, Natalie and I got back together a week at took a week uh, to get our schedules to align, but we got back together and finished out the the podcast. Uh, Thank you so much, Natalie. Uh, Like I said, for grace and patience, I certainly appreciate it. I'm 21 episodes into this podcast, but I'm still learning each and every day. I'm still learning the ins and outs of podcast production. Make sure if, uh, if you're still, well, let me just say this. If you're still with me, thank you. Thank you for hanging out and listening to the end, I sure do appreciate it. Uh, make sure you check out the links, uh, Natalie's links in the description, as well as the Concrete Everest podcast uh, links. And, uh, you know, share this with a friend, right? You want to share it with your friends, don't you? Don't you want your friends to hear, hear just life-changing information? your family, make sure you share it. I certainly would love a thumbs up. And listen, if you're listening to this on the Podbean app, Please, by all means, feel free to leave a comment on on the episode or any of the episodes. If you're not listening to it on the Podbean app, that's okay. But if you'd like to leave a comment, then uh, by all means, download the, the free Podbean app. Look up Conquering Everest. I would love to in, interact and engage with all of the listeners. And, um, well, yeah, there you go. I just want to hang out with you guys. I want to talk. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for coaching, there's a lot of options out there. There's a lot of options. I would... Regardless of of who you decide to co- coach with, I would say make sure you get some coaching. Find a coach that fits your personality. Um, if you think that maybe I might fit that personality, I do offer some life coaching. If you'd like to check out www.conqueringeverest.com, there's more information on that site about that. Uh, just, 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 just fill out the the contact information and uh, send me an email. I'll get back in touch with you, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. Once again, thanks for listening. I certainly do appreciate it, and I'm also excited. You may maybe you hear a sound. I hope you hear a sound quality difference in this episode. Uh, so I had a, a a good mic, and then it broke, and I went to a headset for several episodes, and now I've got another good mic. And uh, man, it makes a it makes a world of difference, at least to me. I guess it's the little things that excite me. But anyways, until our next episode, which will be coming up very shortly. So until then, make sure you aim high, be courageous, and go do amazing things.